Hey, this is Brent Jensen, and you're listening to No Sleep Till Sudbury, the show where we talk about the music that makes your skin vibrate. The show is brought to you by Pariah Pickups. What you want, what you need, what you love. Check them out at pariahpickups.com. And if you want to support the No Sleep Till Sudbury podcast on Patreon, just go to patreon.com slash Music for details. I'm also available for music-based speaking engagements. For more information on that, visit brentjensenmusic.com or email info at brentjensenmusic.com. All right, we lost one of the greats recently, Joseph Michael Dusty Hill, bassist for blues rock trio ZZ Top, died Tuesday, July 27, at age 72. He passed away in his sleep, and the cause of his death is currently unknown. He wasn't the original bass player in ZZ Top, but he played with the band for more than 50 years. His death was sudden, and it shocked a lot of people. And this week I wanted to look back on Dusty's life and pay tribute to one of the true greats. The New York Times described Dusty Hill as a precise musical mechanic. The Guardian said that Hill's bass tone was as crucial to ZZ Top's sound as Billy Gibbons' guitar. Hill was heavily influenced by Cream bassist Jack Bruce and jazz bassist Charlie Mingus at an early age. In his younger years, Hill used to focus on playing more complicated bass parts, but eventually he came to pay more attention to his playing's application to the overall composition and how it served the song. Hill would often say, Sometimes people don't even notice the bass. I hate that in a way, but I love that in a way. Hill was born in Dallas, Texas on May 19, 1949. He attended Woodrow Wilson High School in East Dallas where he played, of all things, the cello. Hill was a massive fan of the blues when he was growing up, which, according to him, wasn't common among white families in Texas at that time. Hill had all the records from the old blues greats, including guys like Sun House, Howlin' Wolf, and Muddy Waters, and he remembered the parents of his childhood friends being shocked when he brought these records over to their houses. Unlike a lot of bass players, Hill didn't learn how to play guitar first. He began performing when he was eight, but as a singer with his brother Rocky Hill. When Rocky started playing with a drummer, Hill picked up the bass at age 13, learning as he went along, motivated by trying to avoid being embarrassed in a live setting. As a 13-year-old, Hill was already playing bars, and as a result, his studies suffered. He didn't care much for school, though. He actually resented it, because it got in the way of his being a full-fledged musician. Along the way, Hill and his brother Rocky would cross paths with future ZZ Top drummer Frank Beard, playing together in the late 60s in a number of local Dallas bands in the Dallas-Fort Worth-Houston area, including the Cellar Dwellers, the Warlocks, a band called American Blues, and Hill and Beard also played in a peculiar version of the British band The Zombies in 1969. Hill had long blue hair at the time, which was not at all normal, and it actually carried a fair amount of risk in Texas. Around this time, American Blues relocated from Dallas to Houston. His brother Rocky wanted the direction of the band to go the way of a straight blues approach while Dusty was more interested in a rock direction. Soon after, Rocky went his own way, and Hill remained with Beard in Houston, seeking out a guitar player. 
Guitarist and vocalist Billy Gibbons and his psychedelic band Moving Sidewalks were also playing in Houston, with bass player Don Summers, keys player Tom Moore, and Dan Mitchell on drums. After Summers and Moore were conscripted into the Army, Gibbons and Mitchell did some recruiting of their own. Lanier Gregg, who played bass and keyboards, rounded out the trio that would form the original ZZ Top. With respect to the band name, it was Gibbons' idea. The band covered their walls of the tiny apartment they lived in with concert posters. And one day, Gibbons noticed that a lot of the artists adorning these posters had names that employed initials, like B.B. King and Z.Z. Hill. Gibbons initially thought that he could combine both of these names and call his new band Z.Z. King, but realized that it would be too obvious and a bit weird. After thinking about it for a while, he then rationalized that a king is positioned at the top of a monarchy, figuring he could use the same rationale, but then replace king with top, and it would work. He was right. ZZ Top, it would be. Lanier Gregg was replaced with Billy Etheridge shortly after ZZ Top released its first single in 1969 called Salt Lick. It was during this period that Frank Beard and Gibbons would unite for the first time, as Gibbons also replaced their drummer Dan Mitchell with Beard. And when Etheridge, for some unknown reason, decided he didn't want to sign a UK recording contract, the band couldn't secure an American deal, he was out and Dusty Hill was in. The classic ZZ Top lineup of more than 50 years was now set. Gibbons assumed the leadership role of the band as the main lyricist, singer, and songwriter, but Hill also sang lead on some songs in addition to playing bass and keys. The band's first record, called ZZ Top's first album, was released in 1971 and featured many of the band's signature traits, distorted guitars, lyrical double entendres, and a sly sense of humor. Rio Grande Mud followed in 1972, along with their first charting single, entitled Francine. In the following years, ZZ Top would truly come into their own, with Tres Hombres establishing their heavy Texas roots-based blues sound, classic rock staple LaGrange, a song written about the notorious brothel in LaGrange, Texas, would be the band's first hit, even though it failed to break the Billboard Top 40 in 1973. And in case you were wondering if this was the same brothel that inspired the 1982 movie starring Burt Reynolds and Dolly Parton called The Best Little Whorehouse in Texas, it was indeed. Two years later, ZZ Top released a composite record featuring both live and studio tracks, it was called Fandango. Following a successful run of sold-out shows they had previously done, included in the set of new studio tracks would be one of the band's biggest and well-known hits, Tush, which cracked the Billboard Top 20. Hill sang lead on this track. He would also go on to provide lead vocals on a number of other songs on ZZ Top's next record, Tejas, singing... Ten Dollar Man, Pan Am Highway Blues, and Avalon Hideaway. He and Gibbons both shared vocal duties on It's Only Love. 
ZZ Top's recording contract with London Records was complete with the release of Tejas, and while it did reach number 17 on the Billboard Top 200, it wasn't as well received as their previous records. The band pushed on through its worldwide Texas tour to support Tejas no less. At the tour's conclusion, following almost seven years of a successful record tour, record tour cycle, ZC Top paused for three years. Frank Beard had developed an addiction to drugs over the previous year, specifically cocaine, LSD, and heroin. The band members went their separate ways. Beard went to Jamaica to deal with the drug problem. Gibbons flew to Europe and Hill went to Mexico before coming back to his native Dallas and getting a job at Dallas Airport, saying later that he wanted to feel normal and ground himself after all those years on tour. Apparently not many people recognized him, but when the ones who thought they did asked him if he was actually Dusty Hill, he replied, Of course not. If I was... Do you think I'd be sitting here? In 1979, ZZ Top reformed. They signed with Warner Brother Records and released a new record called Diguelo. Gibbons and Hill also revealed their new image. They had matching flowing beards, hats, and sunglasses. Singles from Diguelo included Isaac Hayes' composition, I Thank You, and band originals, Cheap Sunglasses, and I'm Bad, I'm Nationwide the record would achieve platinum status, reaching number 24 on the Billboard Top 200. In April of 1980, ZZ Top played their first show in Europe on the German music television program Rock Palast. The band also did the BBC show The Old Grey Whistle Test, when something very interesting and seemingly very pivotal happened. ZZ Top performed in the same space as English electronic band Orchestral Maneuvers in the Dark, or OMD. The band was inspired by OMD's synthesizer-rich sound, and they began to experiment with synths themselves. They also introduced new aspects to their live show, which featured dancing. And sure enough, synthesizers could be heard on the band's 1981 record, El Loco, that record reached number 17 on the Billboard charts, featuring a newer, more modern sound with singles like Tube Snake Boogie and Pearl Necklace. Now, if you know anything about ZZ Top, you know what happened next. Their next record, Eliminator, released in March 1983, was an absolute smash hit. It boasted four Billboard Top 40 singles, Gimme All Your Lovin', Sharp Dressed Man, Legs, and Got Me Under Pressure, with Legs peaking at number 13 as a crossover pop single hit. With Eliminator, the band fully embraced the synthesizers and new wave elements they had been tinkering with. It was said that electronic band Depeche Mode, in addition to OMD, influenced the direction of the album. Eliminator was a massive success, moving more than 10 million copies and reaching number 9 on the Billboard pop charts. ZZ Top had also embraced MTV, with several videos in rotation, and winning the MTV Video Music Awards Best Group Video for Legs and Best Video Direction 
for sharp-dressed man. Behind the scenes, there was controversy. The band was sued by Eliminator sound engineer Lyndon Hudson, who claimed he co-wrote most of the material on the record. He played the additional role of digital high-tech instructor to the band, introducing them to the new sounds that would be heard on Eliminator and showing them how to achieve them in the studio. The band denied that any of this happened and refused to credit Hudson in the writing of any of the material. After Hudson proved in court that he held the copyright for the Eliminator song, Thug, the members of ZZ Top settled the legal battle with Hudson by paying him $600,000. 1985's Afterburner record was ZZ Top's follow-up to Eliminator. And while it didn't do quite as well in selling 5 million copies to Eliminator's 10 million, it's known as being the band's highest charting record, reaching number 4 on the Billboard Top 200. Afterburner also achieved Top 40 status for each of its singles, two of those actually hitting number 1, Sleeping Bag and Stages. Fellow 80s star Paul Abdul choreographed the video for Velcro Fly. The world tour to support Afterburner lasted two years and also promoted the release of the ZZ Top 6-pack, which was a three-disc collection of ZZ Top records from 1970 to 1981, DiGuelo being inexplicably excluded. The featured albums, ZZ Top's first album, Rio Grande Mud, Tres Hombres, Fandango, and Tejas were remixed to achieve a more modern sound. In 1990, Recycler was released, the last record of an intended trilogy following Eliminator and Afterburner. It also marked the end of ZZ Top's relationship with Warner Brother Records, fulfilling their record contract with the label. Interestingly, Recycler was also the last of a distinct Sonic trilogy in the ZZ Top catalog, initiating a return towards the band's simpler guitar-driven blues sound with less synthesizer and pop influence moving forward. This move didn't sit well with fans the band had picked up during their Eliminator and Afterburner releases. Recycler did go platinum, but didn't do nearly as well as the first two records in the trilogy. ZZ Top did achieve a number one hit with Recycler, however, with single My Head's in Mississippi. The band signed a new record contract with RCA Records in 1994, but the newer material failed to reach the levels of popularity from the Eliminator era of the band. The Greatest Hits records, Special Projects, and Rock and Roll Hall of Fame nominations all would emerge on the landscape in a familiar pattern. With respect to Dusty Hill, he had his fair share of adventures along the way. Back in the Eliminator days, he accidentally shot himself in the stomach when the gun that he typically carried fell out of his boot and went off. He remained calm, drove himself to the hospital, and would make a full recovery. The shock would only really set in after he took the time to think about what had happened in recovery when he fully realized what it was that he had done. Being a member of ZZ Top through the height of the MTV era carried with it a cult status. 
Billy Gibbons may have been the band's leader, but Hill didn't necessarily live in his shadow. He appeared in movies and on television, making cameos in Back to the Future Part 3, Deadwood, and on wrestling program WWE Raw. He also played himself on the Drew Carey Show, auditioning for a spot in Drew's band. He didn't make the band because he refused to shave his beard, or his Texas goatee, as he called it. Hill also made an appearance in a King of the Hill TV show episode called Hank Gets Dusted, in which Hank Hill is said to be Dusty's cousin. Amidst the jocular sheen of Hill's public persona, there were also more contemplative, darker moments. In later years, he mentioned experiencing many low points in his life when speaking to the press, and how important it was for him to ensure his attitude was such that he could make his way through them. Details were never provided, with Hill simply saying, quote, All I will say is that you have to have the right attitude for these downturns. You have to go through the low points to appreciate the highs in life. Unquote. Hill did encounter a number of hardships in his time. In the year 2000, he was diagnosed with hepatitis C, leading to a two-year hiatus of the band and the cancellation of a European tour. In 2014, Hill injured his hip as the result of a fall on his tour bus. The injury continued to aggravate him over the years, along with some shoulder troubles that he also experienced. Dusty Hill's last concert with ZZ Top was on July 18, 2021, at the Iroquois Amphitheater in Louisville, Kentucky. Video recordings of the show indicate that Hill is having difficulty performing, playing bass while sitting down on a large speaker. He remained seated for the entire show, and he required assistance leaving the stage, seemingly unable to walk on his own. Five days later, Hill would leave the tour to return home to Texas in an attempt to recuperate. Billy Gibbons would say later that Dusty requested dismissing himself from the tour, to which Gibbons responded affirmatively, saying that his health was more important. In typical Billy Gibbons fashion, he told the interviewer, quote, Going to bed and not waking up, that was the luck of the draw. He was in and he was out. Unquote. On July 28, 2021, Dusty Hill died at his home in Houston, Texas, at the age of 72. The cause of death was undisclosed. Billy Gibbons confirmed that ZZ Top would continue with guitar tech Elwood Francis, per Hill's wishes. Gibbons had this to say about the decision. Quote, Dusty emphatically grabbed my arm and said, Give Elwood the bottom end and take it to the top. He meant it, amigo. He really did. This has been No Sleep Till Subray with Brian Johnson. Till next time, folks. Take good care. Brent Jensen is the best-selling author of No Sleep Till Separate, Leftover People, and All My Favorite People Are Broken. 
All titles available in stores and on Amazon Worldwide.